Hello, hello, everybody. This is Sparkle and Destroy, episode 14. On this episode of Sparkle and Destroy, we're going to talk with sound engineer Emma Stackey. She is a musician, a student of sound, and a humble unicorn in her field. Some fields are so populated with dudes, their titles just meld into that. There's tech bros, and there's record store dudes, and there's sound guys. And I almost called Emma a sound guy at one point. I am so used to saying that term. As you'll learn on this podcast, I'm very, very pushy when I find someone who I want to get to know better. And right there, after a Haley and the Crushers set at Victory Lounge in Seattle, I took Emma by the hand and I said, hey, you're great. I like you. You've got to be in my podcast. What do you say? And she said yes. And guess what? Now she's on the podcast. <laughs> Our tour went really great, if you were wondering, and no chickens perished while we were gone, which is good. If you want to know more about the tour, look out for an upcoming blog post at isyourboyfriendintheband.com. Also have some huge band news. We are going to be touring Colorado July 19th through the 22nd. Um, as for the new record, Cool Lame, which is coming out, we are working with a label, Eccentric Pop, uh, who are amazing, and uh, together we're going to get that out to everybody by this fall. I can't give you every single detail on it right now, and it's just a lot, but I can say that the record will be an unapologetic shade of yellow that is like somewhere between neon egg yolk and the current color of my hair. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Now I have gone way off the deep end, um, and before I start rambling even further, let's get down and dirty with Emma. I like Emma a lot. She gives me hope, and she makes me want to erase the term sound guy from my vocabulary forever. I hope you feel the same way, and as always, stick around till the end of the podcast to hear some of Emma's awesome handiwork. Okay, unicorns, this one's for you. Enjoy! I feel like we had a very um, slapdash introduction at the show. Um, I do remember a couple things about you that were very peculiar, peculiar but awesome. One of which is you asked specifically which, like, I think you said, do you want a 57 or a 58 or, like, a different kind of mic for vocals? Yeah, it was between um, <laughs> a 58 or a beta 58. Because a 57 is for instruments, right? Right, correct. Okay, thank you. I, I don't know as much as you, but I, I remember thinking, like, oh, that's so thoughtful. And, like, I honestly don't – I haven't met that many sound people that, like, actually ask you that specific thing. Like, and you seemed, like, very, um, like, thoughtful and, like, you cared about how things were going to turn out, which is also unique for a sound person. I feel like sometimes people go into the bar scene and I don't know how long you've – we'll get into this, like, how long you've kind of been doing, like, these sort of venue show, um, sound engineering projects, but a lot of times they get burnt out or like, they're just like, it's a job. Like you come in, you play like whatever, get the hell out. But it seemed like you like, were actually like aware and also you're a woman and you were the second woman on this tour that I had. And the last time we came up to the Pacific Northwest, I had another woman which was like shocking to me because in California, there's like no female sound people. There was one in San Francisco and that was it. So all that to say, like you caught my eye and I was like, I need to, this woman, I must, I must get her for the show. So please, Emma, please just like give me a real introduction to where you're from and like who you are, because I feel like I just got this really quick little snapshot of you, but I'd love to know more about like where you're from and how you got into this field. Yeah, so 
I grew up here in Seattle, and I um, I think that you're right that there's something unique about uh, women in audio up here, um, and I uh, I know that there are a lot more uh, groups than I know about, um, but it's there's a there's a growing presence of women in audio up here. So that's, that's great that you were, uh, were privy to that while you were here. Um, and that you had such good experiences is really, is wonderful to hear. And, um, so my, um, my entry into the world of audio came through a number of channels, pun totally intended. Um, I, uh, I grew up having friends who, a couple of friends who own sound companies. So I would get to be around to watch them set up and uh, mix bands and DJs um, here in Seattle. Um, And then also in Olympia, where I went to my, finished out my bachelor's degree, um, there were people doing DIY shows and, um, having their own sound equipment that they would, I would, I would, I always loved to volunteer at events and like help set up and, um, you know, way before I was the one behind the board, I was really interested in how it all was routed. Um, so that's, that definitely was an influence, like piquing my, my interest in, in getting into this. Um, can I just say, like, there's so many, that's shocking to me, because there's so many punk shows I've played or been at where there's been nobody running the sound, and to have someone who's like, oh, I really want to do this, and I give a shit, is like, <laughs> I wish that there were more people like you. <laughs> Did people think that was weird, or was it just totally a different vibe? No, it's so, I, um, when I say DIY, I'm definitely, I'm not only just talking about punk shows, um, but also about, like, I was really involved in electronic music, um, DJs and touring bands. Um, and I was, I was in an electronic band for a while. Um, and it was, there was always a lot of focus on the sound. Um, sometimes, sometimes it was like, oh, this very fancy sound system was the focus and it was about the gear, <laughs> which, of course, you're, like, probably familiar with. There was a lot of that um, sort of approach to, oh, sound, but it's about materials and, and like, you know, but it's, but it's true. If you have good gear, that's, that's the first place to start. Um, and, uh, but you have to know how to run it. <laughs> but then again, you could have good gear and no heart and no charisma and then you're fucked. Right. So. But this is why what you're saying is so exotic to me and compelling because I came from such a different world. And to this day, I mean, I feel like there's this pride in like using kind of half at like kind of using like this weird junky gear and like making it work. And I love that like you're actually one of those people that actually is like listening to the sound and looking at the gear. And that's that's awesome. So you got into that through like a community you were part of and then you kind of did your own thing? Like, when did you start doing this professionally? So I've, um, I've been on the musician side for many years as well. Um, and started, 
um, developing my own home studio. And I really appreciate what you were saying about just starting out with your, your junky gear or whatever you find on Craigslist or whatever your friend gives you like this, this really cheap microphone that I'm using to talk to you right now. Like I, um, at home, I don't have, you know, I don't have the resources to have this, this impressive, uh, gear that (laughs) I, you know, I really, I, it's about, for me, it was about learning signal flow at first and just learning, um, like, what are the basics? What do I need to be able to just hear myself, like play something through, uh, record it onto a field recorder and then play it back. Yeah. Here's that I'm bored. Um, like super simple. Like I didn't start out, uh, and still at this time don't have like a, a home, uh, digital audio workstation, a DAW. I just do everything through a board. Um, but so I started getting into, um, into synthesis and effects, live effects routing, and then realized like this, this is really, um, it can be very unpredictable live and like, how would I want to record it? And so I started setting up my own sort of recording context and then looking at the long term of like being interested in this digital audio world um, and, and live audio world like, how was I going to, the question that I asked myself was, like, how, how was I going to support myself long-term in being a performing musician and, and, a, and a recording musician um, while also, like, engaging with the larger community as a whole of musicians in my area, whether it be Seattle or, or elsewhere. Um, and and having a professional career, like, you know, what does that look like? Um, and so I decided I wanted to go back to school for digital audio, um, for recording and engineering, and also, um, had a lot of friends, uh, encouraging me to do that because there's this great program here in, in Seattle, um, just north of the city at Shoreline Community College, um, which is where I ended up going to school and which is where I am now. Um, like literally right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in school for digital audio. Engineering. But like literally you're sitting at the school. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm at, I'm at home. Oh, th- I thought this was like your studio. Okay. 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 This is my little home studio. Oh, cute. Okay. Okay. I guess it's not going to show up on the podcast, obviously, but no, I wanted to record the video, but you know, it's next time. I see. I, I can't get ahead of myself and go too, too deep. I have to go with what I know, and I know that I can record the audio. <laughs> yes, that's, um, that's, that's another really point, right? That's very, um, very relevant. Um, so, so you've been going to school for a while, um, but I, I want to know how many women are in your specific program? Um, so not a ton, not many, um, but there, let's see, it'll be like one or two in a class. Of how many? Um, of it's it's kind of small class sizes there will be multiple sections of these classes and maybe one or two women in each of the three sections but the classes the size of the class is maybe like 13 to 20 maybe 20 to 25 for like the more um core classes uh for the digital audio program but there's a lot of overlap so um people in the music program will take digital audio classes even if they're not a digital audio um degree student. So like 
you'll have people who will come in for a class and then leave. Um, yeah, but like but the disparity in the program. Yeah, there's there's not very many of us. Like, what did when you walked into that? Did it did what did that feel like? Did you were you almost expecting it, or were you kind of like, oh yeah, this is different. I'm in the minority. Yeah, you know, I I did expect it, um, but sometimes, even though I I know that I'm I show up in the world as a as a femme person as a as a woman in in most contexts, like in most people's eyes, um, I don't always feel uh, super identifying as woman woman. Yeah, for so sure. I, so I almost didn't really think about it. I was just like, oh, I'm just a person going to school, yeah. and like, and and what became when it became obvious was when I the first experience that I had being the only woman in an audio recording class um, last quarter in the winter, the only woman in my section of the class, and so like 28 people and me and. Um, if I would say something, every head would turn. So I was like really in the spotlight. So it was like, oh, okay. Like suddenly I'm getting a lot of this attention and it, it, it doesn't feel bad per se, but it definitely feels like, wow, I, um, I am making a, a mark by, yes. by showing up and wanting to do this. And like people are noticing and it's a little bit surprising at first, but, but it, it you know, it makes sense. And I, so far have yet to feel um, disrespected or tokenized in the program that I'm in. Um, there's a little bit of that actually with like being a vocalist. People are like, oh, you're like a female vocalist, I want you on my track. But that's been happening to me for a long, long, long time. And like, I'm kind of yeah. not immune to that, but it's kind of like, uh. Yeah, but I, like, I, oh, you're a female yeah. engineer, I want you to like be on my project, I'm like, Heck yes, or you're a female engineer. I want you to yeah. uh, to learn on this board so that you could um, so that you could do live sound here in town. Like it's like absolutely, I will jump on that um, that form of access, and it is a little bit tokenizing, but like, but I I'm going to make it for myself. You know? Like, like if, yeah. And I, I have to say, like, I relate so intensely with what you had just said about. Um, like looking around and being like, for, cause for me, I'm a guitar player. I'm a musician. I don't always feel like I'm a woman doing that. And I do forget that it's rare still, like it may be less so in Seattle. Um, but things are changing, but I do notice I get put on festivals sometimes and I'll look or, or like events and I'll look around and be like, Oh yeah. Like this is a rare situation. Like I don't identify as, like, always this, like, female presence coming into the room, like, hear me roar, but suddenly I'm looking around like, oh, like, this is a thing. Like, suddenly I'm, I have this weird weight of, like, trying to represent women, and if I screw up a, a little bit, then maybe it's like, oh, well, she can't solo as well as a dude. But I think sometimes it's, like, in my head, you know, I'll get, I'll get there, but what you said about just being oblivious to it is so refreshing because that's when I feel like I'm at my most powerful is when I'm just like, Hey, I'm here. And I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not defensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's weird cause to navigate this world, because realistically, like you said, like people are going to come up to you and be like, Hey, I want a female. I want you because you're a female to like work on my project. And like, what a mind fuck because you're like, yeah, that's awesome. But at the same time, it kind of goes against this whole 
just trying to be a sound engineer or just trying to be a musician. So yeah, it's so like your work speak for itself, and like yeah, it's hard to, yeah it can so be confusing. It's it's, it's confusing. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Scenario to situation to be in. Um, I I definitely have the the goal to have like my body work and my representation of myself creatively and technically be like the reason why people bring me back for things. Um, I'm I think that at this point I'm. I'm, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still getting a feel for, for what this all feels like, but, um, being offered a job or, uh, um, an opportunity to learn or train or shadow somebody, um, I, I'm pretty sure that's because I'm putting out interest. It's not like someone is like, oh, you're a woman, I want you mm-hmm. to okay. do yeah. this. Um, but when that, if that, if and when that happens, um, I really want to tread lightly because that's, that's something that I, that I, um, that I resist against, you know, I, I want all of us to have access because we are asking for it and because we like, we are feeling, um, empowered by those yeah. around us to ask for what we want. Yes. So that empowerment has to come first and there's definitely hurdles to, to address in access to these kinds of um, these kinds of spaces and these kinds of opportunities, whether it be like being a musician to come in and record yeah. in a space, like there's barriers there, whether it be like, yeah, that or, or feeling confidence in going up and asking about a job at a venue or a job in a studio. Um, and it's definitely important for, for me to be choosy about what sorts of environments I seek out. And um, the, the first thing is like, am I going to be the token woman? Like, am I, right? is that the, the nature of this sort of culture? Are they going to do that? Or are they just going to treat me like a human being? Yeah. Um, and let me do my work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are very professional and I wonder if you have to be slightly more professional. Like I always try to tell my husband, my bass player, he doesn't really get it, but I always tell him like, I have to be that much more likable, that much more on top of the booking game to like do certain things. Like he's always like, oh, you know, you're so maniacal about your booking and about the bands you're putting on the bill and, and getting in touch with everyone and saying hi to everyone. And I'm like, yeah, it just to get to this space took me a little bit harder. So I have this tenacity that's just like, it's there and it I can't deny it. And I have to be a little bit more, um, aware of how I'm presenting myself, but I feel like you were so professional. I just felt like you were so like seasoned. I wonder where you are like in your career. Have you been taking gigs here and there or do you work at a specific venue or like, what is your like employment? Are you still mostly studying? Um, that's a great question. I'm really at a jumping off point right now. So we met at um, the victory lounge where you did your show with Haley and the Crushers and in, in town. And Baywitch. And Baywitch. And Beverly Crusher. I just have to shout them out because I love them so much. Yes, doing <laughs> that. I big double thumbs up. Um, so fun. You, uh, that was such a fun show, and that was my second night uh, at the Victory. And my, um, my first night was the night before. <laughs> oh! <laughs> my only other 
work there was being was shadowing and being like learning the board. Um, okay, can so, you tell me about that first night though? Like, what was it like? Oh god, who was the band? Um, the bands. Oh gosh, you're gonna put me on the spot. The the one that I um, had the most fun mixing uh, was a band uh, from Toronto who actually ended up uh, staying with me and. Uh, uh, they, oh, you introduced me to them. Yes. Yes. Uh, Remind me their name again. Oh my gosh. Why am I, I'm like having moments of <laughs> link. Um, it's okay. We can link to it later, but they were so nice and they were so cute. And I remember like the one guy had the cutest little sort of like mop top haircut and he just looked adorable and they were very polite. Um, I don't know if there's, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm like really on the spot. Um, it's okay. I do the same thing. Melanie. Melanie and Neil, oh my gosh, what the heck? Um, so, Casper, uh, Casper Skulls, fucking. Right, which is such a rad name, and now I totally remember Casper Skulls. Um, so from Toronto, yeah. From Toronto, yeah, and they, had, they were so professional as well, and so on top of it, and early, and, um, it was a, it was an ideal first night. Um, I felt really great about their, um, their vocals were very fun to play with. Uh, they were very present. They had really good mic technique. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Ooh, good mic technique. Super good mic technique. And they were also, that's a whole nother podcast. I need to know what, what that even is. So that's happening next. I hope that we talk again. (laughs) Okay. This is definitely like a first pass and I'm so glad that we're that we met um uh they yeah so they were great um all the bands that night were really um really professional really like easy to work with um what what are some of the challenges like that you have and sorry if I'm like derailing this but I wonder like for you are the biggest challenges when a band doesn't know how to deal with like sound people correctly, like doesn't know what they want in their monitor, doesn't know how to communicate with you, or is it an external thing, like something blowing up? Like what is like the main challenge for like, you know, making sure that things go smoothly? Um, I think my biggest fears are pretty practical fears. Like if a piece of gear just doesn't work, and if I don't yeah. know where to go get another one, like right now, <laughs> right? You know, if if the like the, the DI box is broken and they're like at the Victory, it's such a small venue. We literally have one DI. Oh my god! Or two. Uh, it's and and I think one of them is like shared with next door. So yeah, you know, we could go. We could probably go find another one, but it's like there's a fear about like gear breaking down. That's one thing. As far as the bands and how how things will go smoothly or not. Um, the, the only, the only band interaction that I've had thus far that felt like it was difficult for me to remain professional and keep things moving was a, was a group that, um, with the, one of the members of the band, uh, wanted me to arrange a second amp for, him on stage uh, <laughs> and, and 
run it also. And it wasn't it wasn't my gear. It was somebody else who was playing. So uh, you know, he wanted me to be the one to like ask if he could use it and then dial it. Wow! In. See, that's just they don't know. Like like that's that's an experience. It's an experience. Is what it is. Sure. I I think just you know that's it's we have a saying in my band, which is you're in charge of your own gear, which means you're in charge of borrowing your own gear. You're in charge of picking up and removing and, and not leaving your gear places, which has have happened when other people in the band try to help. Um, you're just in charge of that. And you can't expect the sound person to come and hold your hand and do all these crazy things. Like you need to know what your setup is to communicate that and know what you want to hear too. Make sure that like, if you want reverb or whatever, like you're asking for that. You're not, expecting you to be like you know reading minds like of course you have good taste and a good ear because you have to but you're not like a mind reader right (laughs) right I'm really glad you brought that up as far as effect like I always feel inclined I'm always gonna ask if someone wants particular like effects really like present effects um but that's one of the great things about going to school for audio is I'm also learning about um, recording audio and of course in recording like every everything in an isolated booth or in a you know even in a room like um it's not going to have as much of a, a natural reverb as just somebody performing uh in a space live um but even in a space live like it, everything needs just a little bit of a verb and whether that be like yeah. just the room resonating if the room doesn't have a good sound like you're gonna have to put in something that's not there um so and that's where you come in as a professional you, it's like getting your hair done like you might know what color you want but the hairdresser knows how to get you there and like what things need to happen to like make sure things go right you know like i trust the sound person was so much in that in that realm of like I know what I want but you're gonna get me there right right but do you ever this is weird random question have you ever been to a show and the sound was really bad and you felt like simultaneously angry at the sound person but also really guilty and sad not guilty but like sad for the band because you're like why we saw Dwight Yoakam at the Ventura Theater not too long ago and it was so bad and Reed my husband went up to the sound guy even just to be like hey I'm not, like, saying that you suck, but, like, what the hell happened? Like, it sounded horrible. Like, all you could hear was his acoustic guitar super loud, super bright, um, and you couldn't hear any vocals, really. And what the sound guy said was, he was like, yeah, well, that's what Dwight wanted. And, like, basically making it sound like the the, the, the musician was kind of at fault. But do you ever feel like... Like, like, actually depressed that, like, the sound is so bad at, like, a, a legit venue? Yeah, or, like, of course. Like, how I, do you... I feel bad for the musicians, especially tour musicians. Like, I want, especially people who I, I like to see, and I, I want to yeah. come back. Um, it's like, I, I feel like a, a deep sense of, of, of disappointment, because it, it's, their experience uh, wasn't as good as it could have been, and the, the like, the experience of the band themselves, and then also, like, the re- the representation that the audience got wasn't good, and it's, like, if a, if a, if an audience member is seeing a band for the first time and the sound is really bad, 
they may not think, like, not everybody is going to think, oh, it was the sound engineering. Right. They might blame it on the band. I know. Because they don't understand fully what's, what's how how things are routed and who has control over yeah. these operators. They don't necessarily know. It's like, to them, it's like, flip a switch, it's on, you know, like, you know, auditory. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more... Um, nuanced. Delicate and nuanced and... Um, that's one thing about, I think, women in audio, there's a, a lot more sensitivity to, um, to just, like, careful mixing, and I, I, I ooh, ooh, I like that, you're almost, I mean, I, I can tell that you're already saying that with reservations, like, you don't want to be like, women are biologically more sensitive to mixing, but, like, I get what you're saying. No, it's definitely not, it's a, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's a biological thing at all, it's, I, I think that, um, because, I think that it's a, I think that it's a, a, a social thing, because, mm. because, like we were talking about earlier, there is a, a socially restricted access and historically restricted access for women to technology and to positions of power in technology. Um, I think that there's an approach that's like, I'm really going to work to get this right because I am like, I've worked to get here and like, yes, preach. Like, yes. Just like feeling, um, like being invested, like giving a shit. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that men don't give a shit, but it's, I, I absolutely don't mean to say that there are so no, I totally amazing, get... amazing engineers. I get who it. Are any gender. But I think that people, whoever it is, um, for which something is just freely accessible for their entire lives or for, you know, like a lot more uh, available for them to get into, uh, it takes somebody to actually apply like their own passion and their own care to that thing for it to be really good. Um, if someone doesn't really care and they're just doing it cause it's a job or they're doing it because they can, and they've been doing it forever. That's when people get jaded and they don't really, they're not really putting a lot of care into a mix. Um, so it really, it all comes down to what you bring. It has nothing to do with gender. I don't think it has anything to like inherently. Yeah. It's about like what, who has access to what, and how they are feeling about, like, if they give a shit and, and how they're feeling about their, their presence in that thing. So anyway, that... I totally get it. And it's it really goes back to what I said about, like, being a musician, too. It's like, yeah, like, it's not that... I'm better than anyone is that I tried a little harder. And so that, so like the booker or the promoter's like, wow, you really tried hard. Like, thanks for like making flyers and printing them out and having a street team. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that's just yeah. what I do. <laughs> I'm not better than anybody. I just do that. So anyways, I totally get it. It's just, we got hard knocks and we got to like, it helps us grow as people. And you know, that tenacity, you shouldn't apologize for having that tenacity. I think it's Absolutely fantastic. Um, so two things. First, I have to tell you about like a nightmare scenario that will make you want to die, which was the last show I played. Oh God. Last show I played showed up. The PA at the venue did not work. Um, the first band tried to kind of get it together and make it work and, um, was unable to find anybody at the venue who knew what was going on. So they decided they would just get their own PA, which is like so punk rock, like, screw it, we'll just get our own. So they went out and got the, their own from the practice space that we share. 
And even though we have a PA in our practice space, there's two different rooms. Ours works really well. And I didn't know about their mystery PA. So I was like, maybe just bring, well, we could just bring ours. Like it's, it's fine. They were like, no, no, no. We set up the show. We want to be helpful. We'll go get it, which was very kind of them. So they went and got it, set it up. They go on stage for about 15 minutes and the PA blows and we can't figure out what's wrong with it. And no one in either band, after many like jiggles and wiggles and testing, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like, let's put this chord in that and like, let's try to use this guitar amp as a speaker, you know, for the PA, like everything we could do, we couldn't figure it out. And the show just like was canceled, basically. Right. You know what they say, 90% of audio is figuring out why you're not hearing sound at any given moment. Yes! Where did you hear that? Um, I heard that from an instructor, and I had attributed that to him. Um, Jim, Jim, my uh, audio oh, Jim. recording teacher. Oh, Jim. Uh, Jim it's Ellen. so true. Hey, shout out to Jim. Um, I, I had attributed that quote to him, but I think it's just a thing. Uh, I've heard other people now. Yeah. 90% of audio. Yeah, like you're the IT person that's like, ma'am, did you turn it on? Ma'am, did, did you plug it in? Did you plug it in? Like, <laughs> yes. Well, let's check the cables. Like, is it the, is it like, yeah. you know, is there a mute somewhere? Yeah. Is it going through a bus? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but this is know, why we need people like you. Thank so, you. So that was, I just wanted to give you a heart attack. I wanted to give you a heart attack. <laughs> to stay super organized and just know your signal flowing yeah. back in your hand. Yep. Uh, and I'm so grateful to be in a very, very good program for just, like, the creative and the technical side. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm getting uh, a wonderful opportunity. And it really takes – I mean, you can you can half-ass your way through. Um, and that actually brings brings me back to something that I did want to mention. On yeah, this. yeah. You, um, you can half-ass your way through school and, and come out with a degree in digital audio and, and really not have a lot of work that you're proud of in your portfolio or, like, have a feeling, a sense of confidence and mastery on the board or boards um, or in a DAW or, or what have you in Pro Tools. Or Why? Why is that? Um, well, because there's a difference between being in school and, like, really putting yourself in, like holding, holding yourself to a high standard. Um, like you, you, you know, like you, you can, you can scrape by as a, as a, in any profession. I, yeah. I guess that's not, that's not what I really wanted to focus on. But the, the thing that, that I, that I am focusing on for myself is that I, uh, I'm, I'm pausing, I'm, I'm discontinuing, uh, a number of projects um, so that I can fully enter into the, the kind of, um, focus on this, on this program and also on, uh, accepting work in, in audio, um, self-care, so, self-care, right? Part of self-care. For yes. Sure. Um, cause I, so I, I've been teaching voice and piano lessons for, um, the last year and a half and it's great. And I'm going to continue, um, in some capacity to teach for, um, for the foreseeable future. Um, but I'm cutting like 75% of my, of my teaching work because it's, because it's exhausting because it's not feeding where I'm going. So it's taking a lot out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so wow. You need to teach me how to do you. I need vocal coaching. Like that's amazing. Did you always do piano? 
I grew up playing the piano. Yeah, I grew up playing um, and composing on um, on piano. I eventually picked up the guitar um, when I moved to college uh, the first time. Um, uh, I went to Evergreen for my bachelor's, um, and I didn't have a piano. I didn't have like a full-size piano or a keyboard or anything, so I was like, oh, I want to have an instrument to be able to have with me. So I got a guitar. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've always played piano and um, did a lot of singing, a lot of a lot of jazz singing when I was growing up. What? Thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, I love that. So you're basically taking your, your, your passion and energy and making sure you're directing it towards the things that are going to be fulfilling for you in the future and not just focusing on all these little projects here and there is kind of what I'm hearing from you. And that like, you can enter into a lot of different projects and be used in many capacities, but maybe you're not going to be proud of that work. So maybe you're like warning young um, people entering into the field to be like choosy about their projects. Is that kind of what you're going, what you're saying? Yes. I okay. Think, um, I think it's, it's just important to, um, to notice transitions in your life and to, um, you know, if you're, if you're being, um, if you're being offered, uh, work in a direction that is that is where you want to go. Like the, there's even if it takes uh, quitting a job or or jumping off the cliff without knowing. You know, like it, basically, if you're not if you're not happy doing something, like like make more space for what you're what you really what you really want to be doing. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. That's and, great. Yeah, and and that like it's possible to. Um, to be involved in something in a way that you're not, your whole heart isn't fully in it, um, and your your full capacity is is stretched too thin, uh, mm-hmm. so you're not able to bring what you want to bring to a project. Um, and I I'm or to school or whatever. I'm just I'm I'm plugging for that you um, that you that you have um, if you have the drive to do something, you you have to you have to say yes to that, you know, and, and, you know, I've kept, I've kept my teaching job throughout being in school and being in a band and starting to do live audio work. I've kept this teaching job because it's stable. It's consistent. I know that I'm going to have 32 students a week and that I'm going to have a paycheck that pays my rent. Um, but I'm, but I'm not able by doing that. I'm not able to actually like fully appreciate where I'm at in my in my learning and, and in my career development, yeah, I'm, I'm like shackled to this stable job. So where I'm going is like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna jump off, sometimes you have to jump off, like, yeah, without knowing. You know what's um, unique about your situation too, which I think is a little bit different than other people's, maybe, is like your day job is also sort of a related to your passion. So you're taking both hands and you're you're taking both hands, putting them into in the same well of what you love and pulling it out with both hands and like expecting that, that to also pay your rent. That is asking a lot from your, your passion. It's almost like it would be better if you just were flipping hamburgers, then you got off the clock and you could do your sound stuff instead of it being like, you know, the teaching because that's, that's kind of part of it too, right? Like the, the vocal and piano and 
that stuff, it kind of, yeah. right? Oh, oh yeah. That's a it's, lot. It's, um, I'm happiest when I'm involved in, in music and in all of these different ways. Um, and you know, you, you, you said, oh, are you saying, uh, don't be involved in so many projects? Honestly, like my, my brain and my person work really well when I have, um, this, like collage mm. of projects. Um, I work really well on one thing at a time, which is I'm having, I'm struggling with this interview because, you know, I, I, I like to have questions and be able to focus on a question and then period <laughs> question. Um, a, you know, my brain is, is very like, um, very good at one thing at a time. Well, I think um, you're doing very well considering that I won't let you do that. <laughs> um, but I, but I'm not happy if I'm just doing one one thing. Like I yeah. want to have this many multitude of options, um, but then do one, one <laughs> at a time. Um, and and it's possible. Like that's it's it's starting to it's starting to work. Um, I just for me like what's been really important in having all of these interests in audio is um, is scheduling. Is, yeah. Is, is telling myself you know setting myself like hour schedule like this hour to this hour. I'm going to focus on this composing project. Yes. I'm writing the, I'm writing the music for a musical right now. Oh my God. What? Three hours. Do that. Um, two hours editing this voiceover done. Like I, you know, if yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm just in the wind. I have so many things like, you know, my brain is, my brain is not happy, but my heart is happy. That's great. Yeah. But like as far as like turning out work, like I, 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 I know that all of us, as creatives often have like so many things on yes. our plate, and I think just like sectioning it out. Like, yes. Right. This is my hour to hour. Oh my God. I'm a freelancer. So I'm a freelance writer. So I, I do a journalistic work. I'm a journalist. So I do that once a week. Then I have copywriting and ad work that I do for different companies. That's always random. Then like today I'm like helping someone write their vows, which is like insane. And I honor that so much, but wow. it's like such a different thing. And then it's like, I do my podcast, my blog, we have an Airbnb. Um, I do tourism work for the city, like through my writing. So it's like, and I'm writing a book. Cause like, I'm like, but like writing a book, like just like what you're doing with, with music, it's like writing a book and then doing like writing for my living at the same time makes me want to like kill myself sometimes. Cause I'm like, I love it so much. I love what I'm doing, but you have to give it a rest sometimes. And like, yeah what you're saying right now is the end all be all struggle that I literally will probably struggle with forever. Like this whole, like planning things out and like making sure you have chunks of time. And the one thing that's helped me recently, which is so weird is I time myself. Yeah. So I like, I'll even time myself for 10 minutes and be like, I need to work on this client for 10 minutes. I, it, it's not going to get done, but I'm gonna do 10 minutes. And like, it's like the heavens open and I can finally get something done. And then the other thing is I started um, bullet journaling. Which oh, my, my really, really good friend, uh, my oldest friend in the world, uh, is super into that, and she's been trying to get me... Your brain? Emma, your brain is going to be way better with bullet journaling. I can already tell, like, the way that you talk and, like, all the projects you have, like, give it a go. Go on YouTube. Plethora of tutorials on how to start doing it, and it is amazing. Because it's very tactile. And it's all about lists and it's all about getting little things done and it's all about seeing it in one spot. So, yeah. Um, I will do that. And 
we need to check in in six months and um, <laughs> and see how much this has changed my life. Because I know it's one of those things that I'm like, I'm aware of this thing that's going to change my life. And I'm really like, I don't know what I'm, you know, I do write a ton of lists. That's, that's like my go-to. And I actually like have taken a few of the symbols from bullet journaling. Yes. Journaling, yes. Um, and, and I integrated them into Good. But Good. I haven't, I haven't fully done the whole thing. I did it in January. I had to like do it and like I've been doing it since the beginning of the year. So I'm sure it'll, in your time, it'll come. I do have a question I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask if you had some basic tips for women musicians or just people that are kind of on the margins that feel a little bit um, alienated from the traditional music world. Like, do you have a couple tips for them to get over maybe intimidation or whatever in terms of, like, dealing with sound, sound people for maybe the first part of their career or they're just starting out? Because a lot of the people that listen to my podcast are young girl musicians or people that feel like um, maybe they're a little bit intimidated and they're just starting out. And a lot of what I talk about is, like, how to start and, like, how to not be afraid to just ask for what you want and ask questions. And I wonder if there's like certain things that would be basic knowledge or like basic things that would be helpful when somebody is a little bit overwhelmed to get on stage. And they're already like, Oh my God, I'm on stage. And I'm, Oh my God, am I going to forget my lyrics? And everyone's looking at me like, like, do you have tips for them? Yeah. Or thoughts? <laughs> I'm so glad that you told me that. Um, <laughs> Cause, cause I, yeah, coming into this, I don't actually, I don't know your, your listeners. Um, and that's, um, I, I've been there is, is what I first want to say is just like, I, I, before I was into any of the engineering and audio, like technology side of things, I was just a musician. And before I was a performing musician, I was just a performing vocalist. I don't want to say just. But I mean, yeah. it is still terrifying is what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. to get on stage as a vocalist, especially the first couple of times with a microphone. If you've never sung into a microphone, how far are you going to be from that mic? How far do you have to be? And, and like, you know, you don't... <laughs> it's stressful. So many things. And then if you add in the um, any of the other connectivity of, of instruments that you're performing um, as a musician for some of the first times out there on stage, like there's so much that you want to focus on that's just the music and it's it can be really, really overwhelming to have to then think about talking to a sound person in a language that you don't necessarily already speak. So I think first of all, um, knowing that if a sound person isn't is, isn't generous or isn't like meeting you and isn't kind to you, that that is not your fault. And that is that sound person not being, um, not being, yeah, uh, not being a good human being to you right then. And that like, that's not your fault and that you, um, you absolutely don't need to take any of that on because that person is jaded about their job. Um, it's very possible to be, um, a helpful sound person and not have an ego about the language that you're talking because at the end of the day, that is a totally translatable language. If you if you talk to a musician who doesn't know the difference between a balanced and unbalanced connection, you really don't have to make them feel bad about yes, that. Yes, yeah. It's really not important. And yeah. I think people get really, like, 
Yeah. So don't take it on. Like I love that. Like like look at it and be like, nope, I'm not picking that up. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not at all. And what else um, can you kind of give the advice to these people that are like, ah. um, besides say, breathing, besides breathing, breathing for sure. I've always, um, been empowered by, by knowledge. Like I really like to know, um, how to communicate what I have, uh, as far as gear and my cables. So like start there, like, Mm. What kind of, what kind of cabling, just start with the cables. Like those are your connections. Those are your bridges because the sound person, they're probably going to give you a DI or, a, or an XLR. And that's going, those are going to a snake. Um, that's all you have to know. Is it quarter inch? Is it XLR? Is it, <laughs> do you have your own adapters? Like, do you need them? Like, Spend some time, like, go to a music store, talk to someone in a music store, um, get to know your local music store employees, and pick their brains, because, you know, it's really important to, um, to have a physical, like, to be able to look at something physically, especially if you don't have it at home, just be like, hey, uh, I don't necessarily own this equipment, or maybe I'm not going to buy it, but, like, I'm a musician, and I'm going to be working with this stuff on stage and with other people's gear and I just want to know like I just want to learn about yeah. these connections um yeah start with your cables and then and and you know listen and listen to your listen to your sound what do you like about your sound what do you want to hear and when someone when a sound person either asks you or doesn't uh what do you want to hear in your monitors just just try to try to think about like what do you want to hear? Like you maybe don't need to hear any guitar or any, uh, any drums, you know, maybe you probably want to hear your voice and maybe you want to hear more of the highs so that you can make sure that you're on key, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just think about what you want to hear and, and how, and like what helps you sound the best, what helps you feel comfortable so that you can perform like with more ease. Can you tell me a little bit more about the steps along the way and the progress that you've had in digital audio as a career? Yeah. Um, so like we talked about, I did come into it from a musician side and, um, I play in a band currently called service animal and we, um, we played a show at a place called the lo-fi here in Seattle. Um, and, because of timing, because there was like um, a moment where I was the one to talk to the sound folks, um, I got a chance to communicate in that language. Um, so that was actually the jumping off point where um, the sound folks were like, oh, you, you know what you're talking about, and this is really cool that you're interested. And I asked to afterwards, after the show, to see the board and, um, like, oh, well, are you're interested in this? Like, would you like to accept um, some audio work, like, on the side? Would you like to learn how to run the board and do gigs that way? So that sort of, like, first step, jumping off point from me, for me was from, as a musician, you know, I'm in school for audio engineering, but the access, like, going in as a musician and then, and then as far as live sound, 
just being interested in the in the equipment and like offering to be yeah your curiosity was probably a door that like allowed you to walk through because you had that like oh I want to know more yes yeah um so that was like a starting point you and I met um at the victory and they just have you know a really small board like 12 channel little Mackie on the wall um so I've been wanting to learn um you know expand bigger than that so uh most venues nowadays have digital boards and I um, have an opportunity this coming week to shadow on a digital board um, at the high dive. Um, and that's, can you explain for the listeners, like this venue is larger and kind of a little bit more, has a little more cachet, like, yeah, yeah. A lot more, a lot more bands, um, established bands come through the high dive. Um, it's a bigger space. Uh, they're, they're, they're known more as a venue than they are as a bar. The victory lounge is you know, a bar. bar that does music. <laughs> um, and the high dive is like a standby, um, like venue. In yeah. It's, it's on the smaller side. It's not as big as say like Numo's or the Showbox. Um, but they, um, but they are, they're an established, musical venue um and they have a reputation for um for having a lot of you know they're a six night a week right uh, established they have six six nights of music um every week so it's you know it's it's spreading my wings i i can't say you know i don't know yet the culture of the space i did ask you know would i be the only woman on the team and they said yes uh, so, you know, I mean, I will find out what it's like and it's kind of like that, you know, in general, if you're going into someone else's establishment, um, maybe it's going to be a good fit and maybe it's not, but you're going to learn something. Right. And, um, you're going to have an opportunity to have a platform to then either get more involved there or move on to another thing. So at, at this point, I'm just trying to soak up, like spread out and soak up as much as I can and learn as much as I can, um, that will give me access to either, um, moving into a, like more fitting establishment, um, of a venue or a recording studio or creating my own, which is a long-term goal for me. Um, Woo. Yes. My friend Mae Black in Oakland just opened her own recording studio called Anagram Sound, and I'll send you her link. I think you guys would love each other, and her and her bandmate um, put it all together. It's been this long dream, and now they're finally having bands come in, and they're recording, and I mean, it did take a lot, <laughs> not to mention extra rent on another, you know, place besides where, you know, she lives, but... Yeah. To see that happen for her is amazing. And she doesn't have the background you do in sound, too. So it's like, it's interesting how some people will kind of jump into the field and learn as they go more. And you're definitely more methodical. Like, it's obvious that each step you take is taking you towards the end game, which is like the more learning and more access and more yes. and more and more. So it's like, it's very maniacal. I love it. Like, you love this. It's obvious that this is, like, I your career. You. <laughs> I love this so much. And and it is totally about those things. You just nailed it. It is about education. It is about access. Those yeah. are, like, the hugest things, no matter what I've done in my life, like this. I, I want to give that to other people. And that is a huge end goal is, is to be able to um, promote more access to 
um, to these tools for people who who want it, who who are like chomping at the bit, who really are like, hey, you know, get me into a recording studio, or you know, um, that's or or like help me know what you know how to communicate as a musician to you know, and there there are programs like that here. So I'm I'm really looking forward to um, to learning from other people who are doing that. Um, all along the West Coast, and I know in Portland and Seattle, the Seattle Sound Girls, there's Wham, there's a bunch of stuff that is is awesome that I'm like, oh wow, I'm just learning about these things that I I'm already so passionate about that I am excited to connect to those those people who are doing that work. That's such a great way to bring it full circle too, because in order for for you to give back to people like you and to people that want to get into this world, you have to be in that world, and it just sounds like you getting into it is going to be such a great way for you to give like that, um, access to people under you. And so it takes those people. I mean, I hate to call you a pioneer, like how cheesy, but like there are these like people pioneers that infiltrate sometimes and are able to like open the door a little bit wider and a little bit wider. And like, you know, it's, that's what it's all about. So you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Haley. Really, um, I couldn't imagine something that I would want to do more. <laughs> so, like, when, if you if you have that feeling, like whatever it is, like that's where you need to be. Like, things will start to happen. Um, so true. So true. Direction. Yeah. Any final um, words? I always ask my interview sub. Oh, not always. I don't always do anything always, (laughs) but I do like to ask, like the, the title of the podcast sparkle and destroy is about sparkling, shining, um, self-empowerment and destroy is, is more about destroying boundaries. So it's like, whatever. Um, so clever, right? Um, (laughs) but, um, what do you like? And when you think of that, like, I think you've kind of already answered this, but like, what is your like version of that? Like, how do you see those two elements? Like, in your own life or like, you know, how do you embody that sparkle and destroy mantra? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I, on the spot, I relate to this archetype of a unicorn and, um, <laughs> I didn't, I have not always related to unicorns, but realizing that you're a unicorn in your field is like, a magical moment. You're like, holy crap, I am different. I didn't even realize this coming in, but like, I'm, you know, it, like be, be a unicorn in your field, basically like, like put yourself out there, be, um, sparkly as hell, you know, like, or, or whatever it may be, like not necessarily sparkles if you're, if that's not your thing, but like, that, that archetype of, of like being relentlessly yourself and relentlessly different. Um, and, uh, just as far as like destroying boundaries and like, you know, I think that's, that's like the essence of this whole thing. I like keep in mind that, um, that you, uh, that you're unlimited and that you, that like you, um, you don't need permission, um, to, to be interested in something or to ask a question or to like go and seek out, um, opportunities or, 
you know, like be your own permission. <laughs> yes. I love that. And I love be a unicorn. That might be the title of this podcast. So thank you for that. Yeah. I think a little unicorn. <laughs> um, yeah. Realizing, realizing that you're a unicorn is like a magical moment. Cause I, I haven't always wanted to be like very in the spotlight. Um, but, but realizing that you kind of, you just are naturally if you're doing something that you're, you're kind of an odd one out. Yeah. And maybe you have a tail or wings or something different about you. You know, your unicorn horn could be so many things. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Emma, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And you're going to do a vocal mic episode for me, right? Like a, a vocal, um, what's the word? Best practices. Sure. I could, yeah, I could talk about like best practices for, um, for mic technique. And yes. Game staging. I mean, I could like yes. get some basics on that. I don't, you know. Oh my gosh, I would love that. And I know that like at least half of the people that listen to this, besides my mom, who just will listen anyways, will like really appreciate that because it's like all those. It's like I'm kind of trying to create this like little this game book for like kicking ass and like each little chapter of like here's a couple tips, you know, just to get you on your way. So that would be fabulous. Yeah. Um, that sounds like something that is, that would be a lot more digestible for me to be like, this is like, I stretched you. I'm stretched. I stretched the unicorn, but she was brilliant. Thank you again, Emma. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you soon and staying connected with you. And thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm going to be one of your new followers listening to all of these people sparkling and destroying.
that was the unique, one-of-a-kind, totally irreplaceable Emma Stackey with What You Do. Um, if you want to learn more about Sparkle and Destroy podcast, go to isyourboyfriendintheband.com. You can follow me at Haley Crusher, H-A-Y-L-E-Y. You can follow my band at HaleyandTheCrushers.com. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast or have um, an idea for an interview, uh, email me at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. Uh, now and always, Sparkle and Destroy!